All right. You already recorded the intro. Do you want to re-record that so I can introduce myself? I mean, like, are we going to do a stinger at the beginning or... Trying to trying to get you to talk to me here. Okay. Talk to my wife? What? I know. I know. Could you give us a little more light in here? Yeah. I was trying to not make it hot, but Yes, but the sun has passed its zenith. Yeah. Past your zenith. <laughs> Look, it is an acceptable, appropriate, and accurate term. Okay. Anyway, hello. I provided you with light. Hello. Much like the god Apollo. Yes, thank you. Yep. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series chapter by chapter, and today... We are discussing chapter six of the Sea of Monsters. This chapter is called Demon Pigeon's Attack. I am just a friendly naiad dropping off some pastries for Tantalus. Just, you know, because it's a nice thing to do. Also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm an unfortunate charioteer for Apollo. We'll see how far I make it. Yep. Uh, also known as Chris. Hey, Chris. Hello. You don't have your, your charioteer? Apollo's charioteer doesn't have a name? Uh, no. Okay. No, they don't. They don't need Bre- Breckendorf and the Stoll Brothers and yeah. Clarice. And yep. But we, we don't. We named like Everybody quarter, except Apollo. Like, yeah. We, did we name yeah. all of them except Apollo? Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't have any names for the Dionysus uh, cabin. We don't have, like, their chariot. We don't describe their chariot or their names. Also, I don't think Artemis makes it, so. Yeah. Okay. There's a a few we don't hit. Okay. Well, hello. Hi. Uh, This is where we banter. Okay. Um, I think you're of the opinion that all pigeons are demon pigeons, so, like, that's kind of a... (laughs) No! uh, No, I really like the pigeons that that one guy I follow on Instagram puts the little hats on and records the videos of them talking to each other. I really love those pigeons a lot. I feel like you haven't shown me any of these. I have so shown you these. Oh my goodness, I have so shown you these. All right, well, I will find... The next time I see some, I will send them to you. Cool. And then you won't open them. And then you'll be like, you never send me these things. And I'll be like, I've sent you 15. This isn't a relationship therapy podcast, okay? (laughs) This isn't why we do this. Anyway, we're fine. I'm fine. You're fine. (laughs) Fine. We're fine. We're fine. (laughs) So how do we start this podcast, Kristen? First we wait for the plane to go by. Okay. That is usually how we start. Then we get some fizzy waters. Mm -hmm. We've already done that. We put up our wards against our neighbor's noises. Uh How do we start this podcast, Kristen? Well, first we banter and then we do our summaries. So our summaries are, of course... Summaries. Uh, wow. Our summaries take the form of bullet point summaries, yeah. which, as you know, are a series of points that summarize the chapter. Yeah, they are. I promise I didn't have <laughs> caffeine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, this was a considerably longer chapter than the last one, so I actually have a decent number of bullet points. We I have know, a decent number of things to talk about. Almost 20 pages. Yeah. So, pretty pretty lengthy chapter. A lot of things happen. Uh, So, who shall go first? Who shall? Rock, paper, scissors? Sure. On, on, shoot. Uh Uh-huh. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ha-ha! I go first. Go on. Here's my summary. Percy is embarrassed by Tyson's existence. Percy and Annabeth have a fight. The horses don't trust Tyson. You know, the good monster. The campers keep the guard going in secret. Dreams. Grover connects to Percy. The Cyclops. Polyphemus. Polyphemus. Wants to marry Grover, who is totally a lady Cyclops. We have a deadline. Emphasis on dead. 
It's race time. But first, let's tell Annabeth about the dreams. Demon pigeons attack. Duh. Annabeth and Percy save the day? Clarice wins, but Tantalus blames Percy. Duh. Cool. Yep. That is a pretty astute summary of what happens. That's astute. <laughs> the astutest. Yep. Um, so here's mine. Percy struggles with family. We're still calling Tyson a monster. Chicken ponies. Uh, is Tyson an artificer? More Luke foreshadowing. Grover does drag. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> we finally found plot. Horses are easy to bribe. More constructs attack. Apologies to Dean Martin fans. <laughs> and this Tantalus guy seems like a real jerk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. But this whole ending of the thing where, like, Tantalus is such a jerk, which we'll get to later when we're discussing, like, but just directly mirrored for me the entire scene in the gymnasium. Yeah. Like, almost beat for beat. Hey, we're going to go do a thing. Tyson's going to be on my team, and we're going to be okay. Tyson's going to have to defend me from stuff that's coming at me and being thrown at me. Yeah. There's more to it than it seems. Oh no, all of the people in charge are going to blame Percy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you're making me not like this chapter. I wanted to like this chapter because actually things happen. Um, yes, yes, things happen. No, it's just like that <laughs> ending. Like, we'll get to it when we're actually discussing it because that's the end of the chapter, obviously. Yeah. So that'll be the end of the episode. Wow. Because um, that's the end of the chapter, obviously. So that's the end of the episode. But mm -hmm. let's go ahead and talk about the chapter. Alright, um, so we open with Percy dealing with feelings of shame that Tyson's his half-brother. Yep. Because uh, everybody thinks Tyson's a monster, even Annabeth, who is just like usually... Uh, Annabeth hasn't gotten off of this yeah. thing about him being a monster from the very first time yeah. that she saw him. It's like even after I guess we have to bring him with us, too. You know, like even if after he's claimed as uh, Percy's half-brother and claimed by Poseidon, like Annabeth is still just like, nope, monster, sorry about that, sorry about your luck. Yeah. Seems a little... Uh, Seems a little rude to me. Yeah. And so but, far, Tyson's seems But she's like a... also the only one that Percy defends him to. Yeah. To everybody else at camp, Percy's just like, well, he's not my real brother. Yeah. Well, he's not my real family. Like, obviously, he's not my brother. Uh -huh. Stop calling him my brother. Stop calling me a monster brother. Like, yeah. you know, but then when Annabeth calls him a monster, she's just, he he's defensive. He's like, why are you calling him a monster? He saved my life. You watched it. You invited him into the camp to save my life. You know that he's here as a good monster. Yeah. Like, stop calling him a monster. Yeah. And they have a whole fight. They do. Uh, they have a quite a while where they stop talking to each other. That doesn't last very long, but it, it happens. I mean, it lasts through the entire preparation for the tournament. Yeah. They stopped their initial plan together. was to build their chariot together. They were going to build the chariot together, and then they ended up building two separate chariots. Which I don't know how that would have worked because, like, all of the houses like have their own chariots. So, like, I don't, I don't know if they could have collaborated in the first place. Yeah, but it's more like I, I think that it has more to do with the fact that like people who know each other are in the like it's like, hey, I'm going to build it with my siblings. Like, uh huh. I don't know. I don't. Based on the way that Tantalus described it at the beginning, it didn't feel like every cabin could only do. One chariot. It didn't feel like it was cabin specific. It felt like it was just like, hey, there's an open chariot race and anyone who wants to build a chariot can be in the race. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me going into it. So when they started talking about a chariot together, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they were going to do that and then they get mad at each other, have a fight, and then Annabeth storms off, et cetera, et cetera. Again, Annabeth knows stuff that she's not sharing. It's a really annoying habit of hers. What is it that she's not sharing here that it feels like? Because uh, she says something about Cyclops as being uh, the most deceitful, treacherous, and oh, Percy yeah, yeah. defends him, and Annabeth is just like, uh, you know, gets really mad, and Percy's just like, I get the feeling there's something she wasn't telling me. Yeah, and I'm just like, why does she keep doing that? Yeah, she keeps doing that. Like it's it's basic what's, communication. Like, what's here, the point of holding back information that could like be valuable Plot. to them? Plot. Yeah. Drama. 
to keep the reader engaged. Yeah, of course. Also, we wouldn't have had two separate chariots. And Tyson wouldn't have been on the chariot. Yeah. Gotta have plot. Uh, so anyway, over the next several days, uh, building the chariot, Percy's also taking flying lessons on uh, Pegasus. Not the Pegasus, mind you, but like one of his offspring. Obviously, because they all have the same name. Of course. Uh, they're all named after, after the same guy. Uh, but none of them are as fast as Pegasus. Yeah, the Pegasi get really sketched out about uh, Tyson. Doesn't want him anywhere near them. Of course, he, he's calling them <laughs> chicken ponies. Yep. So, of course. Not a very noble name. Um, I got reminded about the fact that, like, Percy can talk to horses, and that's a thing that happens. Yeah, because yeah. he's the, like, son of the horse god. He could talk to the zebra. He yeah. can talk to the horses. Yeah. He can tell telepathy with horses, basically. Um, Is that, like, all un- like, ungulates? Is that what they're called? They're, they're ones without a split hoof. <sighs> I don't know. Okay. Because, like, I don't, he couldn't talk to cows because they have a split hoof. Is that what it said? I don't think it said that. No, I'm just I'm just well, making stuff up right oh, now. Okay. But but like he can talk to a zebra, which is not a horse. Like we can't it's really horse adjacent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can talk to centaurs. Uh-huh. They're horse adjacent. Yep. But it does. I think that there's a moment here because we have this kind of concept within mythology that cyclopses are horse eaters. Uh huh. And that. Um, Poseidon is the horse lord, so it's kind of this perversion of what Poseidon did by creating the horses. Yeah. But we have um, Tyson repeatedly being delighted by horses, and not like in a hunger way. Yeah. But like, he is delighted by the centaur. He's yeah. delighted by the ponies, the yeah. the Pegasus. like. Yeah. And the Pegasus and all of the horses are terrified of him because they see him as a horse eater. Yeah. And... Is this all foreshadowing? I'm sure it is in some way. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that it's a great symbol of how Tyson is not, like, looking at them as food. He's looking at them as adorable and cute. Yeah. Like puppies. Uh Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I like that about... Like, I like the way that that subverts the expectation of this monster uh-huh. construct that Tyson yeah. doesn't fit into. Yeah. I agree. I didn't look at it that way, but thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Shit. Uh, so he learns how to fly on a Pegasus, practices swordplay again. Uh, apparently everybody keeps comparing him to Luke, being like he's the best you know swordsman we've had since Luke was in the camp in a hundred years since well uh, yeah. besides that, that other guy you know yeah. Yeah. he's but, the second best swordsman we've had in the last hundred years not gonna not gonna talk about him we also have like kind of his resentment of this mentions of Luke and things like that because Percy was accused of being the thief and Luke was the thief yeah and Luke betrayed him but we also have in this description like references to him kind of just re-engaging in camp life mm-hmm. and going about camp as normal. Yeah. But do we have, is this also mentioned, the the camp guard in this section, or is that later? I mean, it's later, but yeah, okay. it's, it's in this chapter. No. Um, <laughs> and so we also have him, like, practicing his sword fighting and just kind of getting back into the groove and doing, what was it that he wasn't allowed to do in the house? The javelin? Yeah. It doesn't bring up the javelin no. here, so. No, he's never going to be good with the javelin. Right. Uh so, you know, it goes, yeah, it goes through his uh, experience at camp, going back into the groove of, like, classes and stuff. We establish canonically that Poseidon does not look like Sylvester Stallone. Yes. Not, <laughs> uh, not a thing. Uh, we talk a little bit about how the Dryads and the Satyrs are trying to kind of do what they can to keep the tree going. And, you know, they're limited success at that. Is that in this section? Or yep. is that Okay, then, uh, then we do have the guard, because that that's brought up when he's on guard duty. Yeah, he did border patrol, with, yeah. despite Tantalus being like, oh no, we don't need to protect the camp. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. Continue your point, please. So we have him getting back into camp life. Yeah. And all of these, you know, the classes, the training, all of these things, no javelins. Um, and he also 
is part of this group that's still trying to protect the camp. Even though Tantalus has kind of dissolved the border guard, they're still keeping this up. Yeah. And so he's part of this group that is still trying to defend the camp, which I think is cool. Um, obviously he understands he's been on an adventure and some of, some of these kids understand fully, but, um, I think that it's, it's interesting the way that we watch him watch the tree. Yeah. If that makes sense. Cause he stays on half blood Hill when he's doing his guard border patrol. Yeah. And at the end of the last book, he had a dream in a classroom and there was a person in a straight jacket with him there. That yeah. was Thalia. Uh-huh. And if there's any, like, essence of Thalia actually left as a person in that tree, uh-huh. I think that it's interesting that we have Percy and her back together on that tree, on that hill. Like, just kind of here. Yeah. I don't know. It, it feels like a reuniting, but I don't know. It just... Yeah. It felt interesting in that moment that it was described there. I fully expect her to be a character at some point in the series. Um, yeah. Not in this book, but like I'm, I'm assuming at some point they meet her in the underworld or wherever else. And she's she's a thing. Yeah. Uh, there's we, been way too much about her for that not to happen, I think. Yeah. But but we see the dryads and, and the grovers. <laughs> the grovers. The satyrs. Satyrs. Yep. Um... <laughs> kind of using what nature magic they can to keep this tree as as stable as possible, but they can't restore it. They can only keep it healthy while they're actively working. Yeah. Uh, so do that. He does some ruminating on last year and what happened with Luke and all that. I think there was a kind of clever imagery with the, the scar, because he mentions having an asterisk-shaped scar on his hand where the pit scorpion stung him. He almost died. Yeah. Uh, did you did you pick up on this very subtle imagery? That it's an asterisk that yeah. we're going to come back to later. Yeah, like that that we're going to come back to later. There's a footnote here somewhere. Yeah, like a footnote, and like the way I read it was just like, hey, yeah, I saved the camp, asterisk. Yeah. Like, it's to be continued. And I, I thought, you know, for for the reading level we're doing, it's, it's clever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, then he has a dream about Grover. Yes. Uh-huh. Several dreams. Well, he says he had more dreams about Grover. Uh, hears him say things occasionally. Uh, he likes sheep. He likes sheep. And then has a very vivid dream one night. Uh, I'm sorry. We haven't gotten there yet. We're talking about uh, Tyson. Oh, building the thing. Tyson. Tyson's building things. Yeah, Tyson is learning how to do the forge because that's what the Cyclopses do. And yep. he has asbestos hands. Yep. He caught those fireballs with no problem. So, like, he is an ideal forge worker. Yeah. What, what is what is that in the, uh, in, like, you know, the grand scheme of, like, stock holding? Like, what what are asbestos hands? Like, we have diamond hands for holding <laughs> on to the stocks, but, like... Asbestos hands, is that See, like lower than See, diamond hands, you're not letting go of a stock. <laughs> asbestos hands, you're holding on to a hot stock. <laughs> it's like, it's it's valuable, it's a volatile, it's valuable, maybe, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Cool. Those asbestos hands. <laughs> to the moon. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have my jokey bullet point as Tyson and Artificer. Uh, but yeah, that's going to go somewhere, right? Well, and like it goes somewhere in this chapter. Tyson yeah. is able to help build the chariot because he has all of this forge experience now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Charles Beckendorf is taking him under his wing. Uh, so to to recap for our D&D fans, I think we established in the last book that Percy is paladin. Uh, Annabeth, we're going to call a wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grover, obviously, is a druid. And then we have Tyson coming into the mix as an artificer. Oh, absolutely. As we, yeah. So, yeah, that'll be a thing. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Tyson's working on building things. I'm sure that's going to come back at some point where he's going to build some sort of gadget that saves us all. Um, they have a little bit of a conversation, as much as a conversation as they can have with um, Tyson's limited uh, grammar abilities. Well, Tyson recognizes that Percy's upset about something. Uh-huh. And that shows, like, some great empathy, and it's really sweet, because he brings it up. He asks Percy if he's mad. Yeah. 
And Percy says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at Poseidon. Yeah. Because I feel like he's trying to embarrass me. (laughs) Which, if Tyson was of a higher intelligence, it would be very obvious that that's an offensive statement. But Tyson obviously doesn't see it that way. Uh Uh-huh. Percy has a few moments to kind of talk out some of his feelings there. Yeah. But then realizes that Grover's asleep and not listening to him. So he's just like, all right, good night. Yeah, it's a thing. Uh, so after that conversation, uh, then Percy has a dream about Grover. Yep. Uh, we reveal a lot of things here. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. We get the, the, we get the plot going yep. here. Yep. Look, there's plot. I found some. So Grover is in a cave somewhere. Uh, wearing a wedding dress. Yes. Which then brings us back to the first chapter where you were upset that the name of the chapter was My Best Friend Buys a Wedding Dress or Shops for a Wedding Dress. Yeah. Because you're like, he's not. He's hiding. Yeah. But now we see him in a wedding dress, which means that he hid in this shop, then put on a wedding dress to disguise himself and pretend to be a lady cyclops for yep. the cyclops that was chasing him. And it, he did shop for a wedding dress. Yep. So, ha. <laughs> Ha, it was accurate. Your complaints had no basis. Anyway, so he is in a cave wearing this wedding dress, uh, sees Percy, and says, Thank the gods, can you hear me? So this isn't like a normal dream. This is apparently Grover reaching out, trying mm-hmm. to communicate. Yes. Uh, and Percy gets on board, and Grover explains kind of uh, what's going on. You hear him having a conversation with somebody who's calling him Honey Pie mm-hmm. out in the background. Uh and Grover says he's stuck in a cave on an island somewhere in the sea, uh, which I really liked this line, because uh, Percy's just like, where? And Grover says, I don't know exactly. I went to Florida and turned left. Yep. Just going to Florida. First mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, went to Florida, turned left. Uh, which, if we're just using, like, straight up, not even cardinal directions, if you're looking at a map going south from New York to Florida... If you're heading south and you turn left, you're in the Atlantic. Yep. So he's somewhere, somewhere near out maybe there. the uh, Bermuda Triangle, perhaps. Would Could be, be weird. Could be. Could, would be, be weird, weird, wouldn't it? Uh, so he's somewhere in the Atlantic. Who knows? Uh, he explains it was a trap. It's a trap. That uh, this then, is why none of the satyrs ever come back from their search for apparently. So because they all they, come here. They go smelling after that nature power magic. Yeah. And they are smelling something that this guy has, and this thing's eating them. Yep. Some some artifact, and they're all getting eaten by Polyphemus, yep. uh, famous Cyclops. Anyway, so Polyphemus, uh, famous Cyclops, shows up in Story of Jason and the Argonauts, as do many things in this book, because that's the retelling that we're doing. Correct. Obviously. Um, and... Percy gets the explanation of who that is. Uh, he said something about an empathy link and being a, getting, doing an empathy link that apparently is another power that ciders just have. Uh, explains that he disguised Which himself. is consistent with everything that we learned about satyrs in the first book and their yeah. ability to connect to emotions and read emotions. Yeah, I think that's like a third level druid spell. Yeah. Um, he explains that he's disguised himself as a... a Lady Cyclops, yep. who you know, Polyphemus really wants to marry. Fascinating. Uh, Percy's just like, I'll come rescue, where are you at? He says, Sea of Monsters, of course. Uh, apologizes for the spell he's done with this empathy link, um, which apparently could kill Percy yep. if Grover dies. Could. Probably will. All right. Uh, I'm just going to assume that they both don't die in this book. It's pretty early in the series for that, so we're just going to... Uh, Leave that as low stakes for right now. Yeah. He's still writing books for this series, so. Uh, (laughs) And he's saying, uh, Grover's saying, oh, it's here, there's something here, etc. Percy's trying to find out what exactly he's talking about, doesn't explain, dream ends, Grover disappears. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know as people who are familiar with this, it's the Golden Fleece. Obviously. Uh, which I That's bet is going to be a large portion of the next chapter is just an explanation from Annabeth of what the Golden Fleece is. Could be. Very, very well could be, because that's her role in this book. Uh, then it's the morning of the race. Yep. Chariot race. 
Um, there's a low fog hanging on the ground. Millions of birds roosting in the trees. Millions. Millions of pigeons. Which, I, I, I don't know what the largest number of pigeons I've ever seen at one time is. If I had to wager a guess, I'd say like 100. Mm. I've never really seen a giant flock of pigeons before. Yeah, well, you also don't live in pigeon territory. This is up in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, this this kid lives in New York. We're in crow territory? I don't know. There's a lot of crows by us. Yeah. Sure. Very, we'll various, call it that. <laughs> various other birds. We have birds. Don't worry. Promise. <laughs> we're, birds we're... are real. <laughs> birds are totally real. <laughs> they are not robots made by the government to spy on us. Well, these seem like robots because they... Uh... They are. These are some more constructs. Like you called them constructs like the uh, wolves um, were. Not exactly. So I was uh, I was wrong by that in my um, my summary, and I did a bit more research. And while they do have bronze beaks and like iron talons and stuff, and they seem kind of like constructs, apparently they, they're they not. get identified as Stymphalian yes. birds, which are not made by anybody. Uh, they're just kind of a thing that are associated with Artemis or possibly Apollo. Like we don't know. They're associated with a couple different gods as just being a thing that kind of springs out of nowhere. Okay. Uh, they show up on one of the islands, and Jason and the Argonauts on their island having adventure, and they have to deal with those. Uh, they are also one of the labors of Hercules, of the 12 labors of Hercules. He has to go and uh, kill them. Okay. In this swamp that they're living in. So, uh, that's... I mean, I, I don't want to get super deep into it, but, like, that's... Part of a lot of the really interesting crossover with uh, Greek myths, because, like, there's different versions of a lot of these stories that incorporate the same elements. Yeah. And so, like, one of the labors of Hercules is going into the swamp and killing the Stymphalian birds. Also, Hercules is, in many legends, on Jason's ship when they go after the Golden Fleece, and they fight these birds on this island they run into. Yeah. So, arguably, Hercules has encountered these multiple times. Interesting. So, that's a a thing. Um, So, anyway, uh, Tantalus is chasing pastries across the breakfast table. Obviously, it hasn't been long enough for his curse to wear off yet. Do you think it ever does? Do you think he ever gets to eat anything? Absolutely not. (laughs) I do not think that it will. Yeah. I think that that is just Dionysus being rude. Yeah. Uh... Mr. D wasn't there. Obviously, he doesn't get up early enough in the morning to watch chariot races. Why would you? Uh, also, why would you do a chariot race early in the morning? That's... Anyway, yeah. continue. Tamlis goes over some ground rules about how dirty tricks are expected. Try not to kill anybody because, man, if you kill somebody, you don't get s'mores for a week. Yep. Really pretty harsh punishment right there. Uh, and then we describe everybody's chariots. Well, not everybody's, but several It's interesting of the that his idea of a harsh punishment... Uh, is is to withhold uh, a food. I think that it's actually a a relevant thing to his character for him to call that a harsh punishment. I know that it's funny. Yeah. And like being like, ha ha, like, yeah, you can't have s'mores. That's totally a really good punishment for killing somebody. But also for Tantalus, that's been his life for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, so we describe and run down several of the cabin's chariots. Uh, we have the Hephaestus chariot led by, uh, Beckendorf, the fancy... He's brought up so many times (laughs) in this chapter. Like, he's brought up more times than Tyson as an individual, like, maybe not that, but, like, he's brought up, like, four different times in this chapter. Yeah, super fancy, has gadgets, I'm sure it has all kinds of hidden compartments and whatnot. Um, for any of our, uh... Any of our older listeners, and I'm not sure, uh, Steve, if you're out there. Um, <laughs> wow. Rude. I'm just saying, people who are in an older generation than us, uh, or anybody who's familiar with, like, the 60s area, 60s era, like, wacky races cartoons. I don't know if you've ever seen any of these, but this is not. this is very reminiscent of this, uh, where it wasn't really, it wasn't like a, like, running cartoon series, but it was a recurring thing, where it was, like, it was called Wacky Races, and, like... It was a bunch of racers with, like, carts that they had modified to be themed, and, like, it was... This is the whole thing. I'll like show you a clip a later. A cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this was this was a common cartoon theme uh, before our time. 
Okay. Anyway, it's very reminiscent of that. Uh, and I don't know how old, old Rewarden is, but they, it could be kind of hearkening back to, to that idea. Uh, anyway, Ares Chariot, Blood Red, uh, pulled by reanimated zombie horses. It's pretty metal. Uh, Apollo, super trim and graceful. Hermes looked like, uh, it was stolen. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't say that. I'm just, I'm just, It uh, says it looks like it was parked in a garage or something like that. Yeah. It's like, uh, so they, they probably found that one somewhere. Yeah, totes. Uh, and, oh, I was wrong. Because we'd run down the descriptions, and the, he, uh, then Percy says that left two chariots, one driven by Annabeth, one by me. So not every cabin did chariots, apparently. Correct. So we're missing Artemis. We're missing Dionysus. We're missing Aphrodite, for sure. None of them did a chariot. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the cabins that are actually represented. That covers everybody. So who do we have? We have Hephaestus, Ares, Apollo, Hermes, uh, Poseidon, uh, Athena. So that's seven. And then, yeah, the other three. So we have Aphrodite, Artemis, Dionysus. Yeah. So that's nine minus the three that aren't there. Cool. So that covers everybody. Um, for whatever reason, they get to get out of the chariot games. I mean, it's an entirely voluntary game. Yeah. Uh, before the race starts, Percy uh, attempts to talk to Annabeth. They haven't spoken in a few days, but uh, attempts to approach her about a grover and being like, oh, I had a dream. Annabeth's just like, no, you're trying to distract me, obviously. Well, because she's a, a planner. Yeah. She really thinks that Percy would think that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Totes. Uh, and then Percy mentions going to the Oracle, which kind of changes her mind and makes it, makes her think that he's serious because, like, why would he want to go back to the Oracle who, like, you know, the visions he got last year tortured him for months. So, like, he wouldn't go back there unless it was actually a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but they don't actually get to talk about this. Race starts. More pigeons appear. More and more and more. It's almost as if the chapter title is called Demon Benson's Attack. It's like they attack at some point. We were and, weird, right? And then the race starts. And uh, we have the first 20 feet, two chariots get taken out. Well, first he has to convince the horses to let Tyson on board the chariot in the first place. They're really not into this. Well, because <laughs> Percy's over talking to Annabeth and Tyson's trying to harness them to the chariot. Yeah. And they're like, are you kidding? Yeah. No, we're not going to let that monster tie us up. Yeah. Like, he's going to eat us. Yeah, and so Percy comes over and has to convince them to even let himself put the things on him to get him to the chariot. Yeah. Uh, bribes them with sugar cubes and apples. And then that's... Uh, and did I mention the apples? Yep. And that's that's it. And that's all it takes for horses to be like, all right, sure, we'll get tied up by a monster. Why not? Well, horses they let are pretty- Percy <laughs> harness them. Horses are apparently easy to bribe. Yep. Um... Waiting for the plane. Uh, we run down what a chariot, a Greek chariot, looks like for those who may not be familiar. Yep. Uh, they've shown up in all sorts of media, so I, I had a pretty good idea of what one looked like before the description, but, you know, it's there. Uh, we go over the rules of, like, what they're doing. Percy's not going to try to have Tyson attack anybody, because each chariot has a driver and a, uh, you know, defender, basically, or warrior Attacker, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Tyson's in there with a giant stick, uh, who is there to just defend against thing, and Percy doesn't want him to attack anybody. Yep. Probably a good call, because, like, Tyson doesn't need any more bad press. Yeah. So if well, he actually he- hurt anybody, that would be a kind of a bad bad look for him yeah he also tells him like use the stick to shove other chariots away from us don't touch the 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 riders and he goes and don't touch the ponies either yeah like and even in that like tyson is so sweet like he's like (laughs) defending the horses i like it i like tyson so much (laughs) you have a new favorite character he's a little horse girl and i like him horse girls are crazy though yeah like I don't know if we want him to be a horse girl because, like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry for any horse girls that are listening to this podcast. I don't mean to generalize. Yeah. Apologies. Yeah. Or horse boys, apparently. It's not a gendered thing. Horse people. Yeah. Horse kids. No, those are called centaurs. 
Centaur's a crazy <laughs> man. Proper name is Centaur. <laughs> um, anyway, so the race starts. Uh, immediately two chariots go down. Both Hermes and Apollo don't make it 20 feet in. Which, 20 feet, not very far. In a quarter mile track. No. We can, like, uh, I mean, we, we could get to 20 feet in our apartment. Like, yep. that's... <laughs> for a chariot, like... A chariot plus two horses by itself, I'd imagine, is at least 15 feet long. <laughs> so, like, it's like horses aren't small. It's like with lead, with chariot, like. Yeah. It's That's basically slightly over a chariot length and two of them get taken out. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of insane. Um, Anywho, uh, everybody else keeps going for a minute. There's uh, a little bit of fighting, some trickery by the Hephaestus chariot with some balls and chains that get shot out. Tyson kind of parries those away. Uh, you know, Ares is pulling ahead. Uh, Annabeth's pulling ahead with the Athena chariot. Uh, but then the pigeons start being a problem. Yep. They come in and they go straight for the stands. Yes. Like, they're not interfering with this race at all. Well, kind of. They're attacking literally everybody. Yeah. Like, they're attacking the charioteers. They're attacking the stands. Like, millions of pigeons just descend. And there's a little suspension of disbelief for me here because, like, we're just going to assume that with a whole camp full of, like, half-bloods and magical beings and satyrs and dryads... Nobody sees anything wrong with the pigeons before this. Yeah. Everybody at this point is just like, yep, those are birds. Cool. Well, they and had just sees- started to notice them as it got time for the race to start. Like, yeah. we do have him mention that people are starting to notice them at that point. Yeah. When Annabeth immediately knows what they are as soon as they start, like, yeah. die bombing, she's just like, Ermagerd, Stymphalian birds, yep. because she just knows everything. Uh, Really want her to fail on an Arcana roll at some point or a history check. I, I'd like her to like be like, oh no, that's for sure, you know, this creature and be totally wrong about it. Yeah. I just need her to be wrong about something in the book at I, some point. I understand that <laughs> desire, but also like she's the Hermione. Like she's the Thrawn. She's the she, Thrawn. She, she she can't ever be wrong about anything. Yeah. Uh I do think there's a couple notable moments in uh, Harry Potter where Hermione's wrong about something, but I can't remember specifically what they are. But I feel like she screws up a couple times. Anyway. Uh, so, oh, hey, we're getting attacked by birds. You know, confirming all the fears of the people who watched that one Hitchcock movie and just, like, started being afraid of birds forever. Um, have you met anybody who's afraid of birds? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know a few people who are afraid of birds. One of my roommates um, in college was afraid of birds. I don't get it. Um yeah, I know I know two different people I can think of off the top of my head that are afraid of birds. Yeah. Well, apparently there's a reason why. And they might be Stymphalian birds and they'll, like, tear your clothes to shreds and kill you. Um, so they start trying to fight these birds off. Obviously, there's way too many. They're too fast. There's, you know, apparently millions of them. So, like, what's a sword going to do? Uh, and as always, Annabeth has a solution. She's just like, oh, hey, these show up in A Legend with Hercules. He gets rid of them with brass bells. We need something that makes a lot of awful noise to drive them away. Yeah. And then they're immediately just like, Chiron's music. (laughs) What's going to make some awful noise? Oh, hey, Chiron left his stuff here. For whatever reason, like his CD collection, like he apparently didn't have time to pack. He just took off. Yeah. He took something, though. Like, we talked about him, like, taking his records or something. Yeah, but apparently his CDs are still here in the apartment. So they uh, head straight to the big house. Obviously, Clarice calls them out for being cowards because they're running away from the battle. Obviously. Uh, they go run through the CD case, uh, grab the uh, the most horrifying thing they can find, which is apparently the greatest hits of Dean Martin. <sighs> yep. Sorry if you're listening and you like Dean Martin. Reardon really doesn't. Apparently. Uh, it's also one of those references, and, like, he hasn't done this a couple times, but that's one of those things that Rick's done where I'm just like, who is this for? Because, like, anybody who's 12 in 2005 reading this book is probably not going to know who Dean Martin is. Yeah. Like, that's, like, they're, that's what their grandparents might have listened to, maybe. But, like, yeah. <laughs> so that's not one of those things that's supposed to, like, appeal to the children. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a thing. I mean, there's definitely a certain amount of it that's like we're referencing something that students might think about their teachers. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like we've got. Like, this is one of their teachers, and he's listening, and it's like, oh, that's old people music. Yeah. Like, the way that kids might think about their teachers. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, they play the CD, pigeons all start going crazy, they start taking off, flying away, and then at some point, when they're retreating, Annabeth is just like, all right, now we kill a bunch of them. Seems kind of rude to me, because we're already leaving. Yeah. (laughs) Now you can shoot. But Annabeth's just like, archers, let's kill them as they're flying away. Yeah, but they eat them for dinner, so I guess it's not a waste. They're hunting for food. Of course. So uh, the archers take out a bunch. They fly out over the woods, go away. Hey, we saved the camp again. Uh, Most of the chariots, though, were completely destroyed. A bunch of people were wounded. Um, Obviously, the Aphrodite kids' hair, they got messed up. They're very upset about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then Tantalus is just like, well... The important part is Clarice, Clarice won. Yep. Uh, hooray. Congrats on winning the chariot race. Uh, and now we're going to punish you guys who, Ruined you know, it. obviously incited the pigeons to attack and ruin this whole thing. Yep. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. Cool. Anything we didn't cover? Uh, no, actually, I think, I think we got everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, a couple references to Jason and the Argonauts, they're, they're obviously, like, Reardon's obviously using plot elements in, like, in a very different way, because, like, in the original storyline, they go and encounter these on an island somewhere after they've already gone off hunting for the fleece. Yeah. Um, the... Some of them get away, though, so we might, we might island hop eventually and see them again. Yeah, I also re-looked at the Bronze Bulls, which also show up in Jason and the Argonauts as a thing. Uh, which there's also a plot point in that myth, uh, where the bronze bulls are repurposed and used to plow a field. Which is so what they a, are here. Yeah. That I don't think we mentioned that, but the bronze yeah. bulls with their heads smashed in are repurposed to plow the track yeah. for the... Yeah. So very different context in the, in the original text, but like it's using the same motif here. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, that's I think that's everything that I had. Yeah. Um, my yeah. notes, I think I brought up as we got to them throughout. So we've already covered all of my notes, uh, mainly the, the chapter heading thing and yeah, the, the horses. Ponies. <laughs> Chicken ponies. Chicken ponies. Cool. All right. <sighs> but yeah, that kind of like subversion of the monster's role. That Tyson is representing, so. So next segment? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to talk anything else about Grover's situation and how Grover's dealing with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, we kind of covered everything. I mean, Grover's... You, you, wanna, you wanna talk about Grover math? I, I convinced... Has it been two weeks yet? No love, only five days, twelve more. There was silence. Probably that this uh, Cyclops was as bad as arithmetic as I am. Oh, I didn't catch that. (laughs) (sighs) Has it been two weeks yet? No, only five days. Twelve more. Grover trying to buy a little bit more time. Yep. So, somehow he's got to go find Grover in the middle of the Pacific. Yep. Should be easy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Atlantic. Sorry, said the wrong ocean. Yeah, well, it's They've obviously the still the wrong ocean because it's the Sea of Monsters. Yeah, duh. It's not an ocean at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, shall we move on? Sure. What's our next segment? Our next segment is to read our rewrites because as Chris and I read through the chapter, we choose a different perspective to retell this chapter through. Move the camera, if you will. We retell this story from somebody else's perspective. Yep. Chris usually introduces himself at the beginning of the episode as the character that he rewrites from. Yep. Just for symmetry. I frequently don't. 
So you're not a uh, dryad bringing a plate of pastries to... Uh, to Tantalus, just to watch him chase him. No. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm not. Uh, would you like to go first or me to go first? Mine is very short because... Uh, go ahead and read yours first. Okay. Since it's short. Yeah. <laughs> it's like six lines yeah. long. Please. I, I wasn't inspired for this one, all right? Yeah, neither was I. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a fun perspective to go off of. Uh, except Grover and like... I think we got all of Grover's perspective in the first place, so we don't yeah. need to retell that story. All right. So here's me being a uh, charioteer for Apollo. Finally, days of hard labor has come down to this. Our chariot, our pride, gleaming and resplendent as the sun god himself, driven forward by noble steeds, no undead abominations or automatons for us. And... As Apollo's chariot pulled the sun across the sky, ours shall pull his sons and daughters to victory. For if we must participate in this vile blood sport, we can at least use it to honor our father's name. There it is. We're off. And... Ow! Was that it? (laughs) There you go. Made it a whole ten feet. Well, here's mine. Okay. Look, I totally understand why the horse lord's son, Percy, was nervous to fly. Zeus wasn't exactly his biggest fan. But Percy didn't get why all of us horses, Pegasus included, were afraid of the horse-eating monster he kept bringing around. Like... Of course, I'm honored, so honored to be chosen to be one of the chariot horses of the horse lord himself. Well, son of the horse lord himself. But, Master Percy, why do you have to bring him along? I wish he'd patch things up with Annabeth before the race. Now it's race day, and there's a monster in my chariot, and monsters in the skies! And thank the gods he wants to go to the big house. (gasps) Away from all of this. (sighs) 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 So much for the race. You're an exasperated horse. Yep. Cool. There you go. Really, really enjoying the horses in this uh, book so far. I am. Cool. I'm enjoying Tyson's view of the horses. It's very whimsical and childlike, and I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Anyway, did you have a favorite sentence? Uh, I mean, I mentioned mine going through the course of the chapter, which was, uh, I don't know where. I, I don't know. I went to Florida and turned left. Yeah, I, that was <laughs> that was one of my, uh, that was definitely up there for me, too. I went to Florida and turned left was, was one of my uh, favorite. Uh-huh. Also, for me, some of my favorites was I'll give you sugar cubes at the end of the race. Sugar cubes. Very big sugar cubes. Yeah. Giant. Yeah. Biggest sugar cubes. Huge. (laughs) Huge cubes. Uh, They they made this annoying metallic screech sound that reminded me of submarine radar. was a very visceral-like description of the birds. So, those are some of my favorites. Cool. But yeah, you 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 hit my favorite, which was the Florida and turn left one. So yeah. I right. think that was both our favorite. Look at that. Yeah. Just being on the same page, literally. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. <So. laughs> should we uh, should we close this out before we make more puns? Sure. Okay. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Um Thank you so much for joining us today, dear listeners, as we discussed Chapter 6 of The Sea of Monsters. Join us next time as we discuss Chapter 7, I Accept Gifts from a Stranger. Always good advice. Great advice. Until then, you can join us on social media at Chronically Podcast on Instagram, or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast, where at the moment you get nothing, but once the Percy Jackson show goes live, we will be doing a chapter, we'll be doing our little watch through of the Percy Jackson show. Um, when does that start? Uh, December. December. All right. So, so we're, it's coming up. Yeah, pretty we're pretty close. close. We're pretty close. <sighs> We are a few short weeks away. Uh-huh. 
And you can also send us your fan art of Grover in a wedding dress at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. I want to say we did that fan art for chapter one, but... Oh, did we? Maybe. Well, I didn't get any, so I'm still looking (laughs) for fan art. I'm still waiting for some some wedding dress fan art. Yeah. Ryan, you know what you have to do. Um, (laughs) Thank you again for listening along with us today, and until next time... If you're ever attacked by a cyclops, always pretend to be a lady cyclops. And uh, don't get rid of that old CD collection. You never know when uh, pigeons might attack. Demon pigeons. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Because they they go smelling after that nature power magic. This chapter is called Demon Pigeons Attack. Look, stickers. They're so cute. I like this owl one. Look, it's a bird. Did you have caffeine? No. I considered it briefly. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. But we see the dryads and and the grovers. The grovers. The satyrs. Satyrs. Yep. Um. <laughs> oh, jeez. The neighbor's on the roof. That <laughs> <laughs> scared me so much. Just the person walked by the window.